I'd totally fuck a reptilian. Oh, I love an abortion spa. Alien murder sex. Welcome to Alien Murder Sex. We have been hinting at these this episode these this is episode. one of the episodes we've been hinting at for a long time. Uh, if you are a longtime listener, you know I often reference the OTO and Aleister Crowley and things of that nature. And we have an amazing guest today. We have Marco Visconti yeah. on today. Yeah. And we we're are super stoked. Hi, Marco. Hey. He's a, he's an incredible Hello. he's an author. He's a teacher. I mean, you can just Google his name. We're going to put it in the show notes. He has a lot of accolades. And uh, he's he wrote the Aleister Crowley manual, which you should pick up if you're interested in this kind of thing. It, it makes a lot of this stuff digestible. Um, it's yeah. definitely dense material, but you did a good job making it. You know, you bullet pointed the the dense stuff for <laughs> mm-hmm. people. So I yeah, did the audio book. Oh, well, uh, that's exactly what, what I wanted to do with this book, right? Like try to make something that's really weird, right? A little bit less weird or a little bit, you know, get away with all the strange prose and Edwardian, I don't know, strange stuff that Crowley was writing um, with and uh, make it a little bit more modern. And uh, yeah, it looks like it worked. <laughs> it worked. It's a very contemporary take on on Crowley's works. What... um. How long have you been studying Aleister Crowley and, and his works? Forever. So do I, have to tell you, do I have to tell you how old I am? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the cliff notes. So it's been, well, 30 years now. So I started very early uh, in my early teens. And um, it would take uh, some years before I, you know, got out and get initiated in the AA, uh, which is one of the two uh, magical orders that Crowley left us. And uh, and then, then it's been like a, a long ride from uh, like the late 90s till now. So it's, it's been it's been uh, it's been quite the trip, if you if you ask me. Oh, I imagine so. And you were a musician uh, before, right? Didn't you have like uh, two bands that were? Yeah, yeah. Like basically, um, my music and magic has always been my main interest in life. Like they always went together. I discovered uh, Alistair Crowley again when I was in my early teens and discovered guitar when I was in my early teens. So I, I, I just get, get into both of them at the same time. Um, I've been a professional musician and touring musician from oh, 2000 more or less till uh, 2015, 2016, something like that, if not mistaken. Um, and basically I was playing uh, with this band called XP8. And then over the years, which is, you know, what's my main project. Uh, and then over the years, I played with more, mainly um, another two bands called Faderhead and Grendel. And then I did also one tour with VMV Nation, one tour with another band. So I was, I was a bit of a, um, a bit of a keyboard whore, <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, at the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been a great experience. Like I, I got to travel all over the world and great experience like I, I think the biggest thing I did was with VMV Nation I think we played Coachella in 2007 uh, when Coachella was still kind of cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you know, and I always remember this because um, we played right 
right at the same time of the reunion of Rage Against the Machine. And we were like, you know what, it's okay. Uh, of course, we, we won't have a big grow. It's fine. Like it, we, we still had like several thousand people watching, maybe like 10,000, 20,000 people watching us. But then I remember that, that when, yeah, what I remember is that I had like so much sound on stage, like blowing everywhere. Like, And then I remember, okay, um, what is this? Because I hear another wall of noise coming from more or less in front of me. And that was the sound check, the line check of Rage Against the Machine. And then they start playing and I stopped hearing what I was playing <laughs> because it was like drowned by, by the actual wall of noise, right? But it was a um, yeah, great experience. You had to rage against rage. You had to rage, yeah, against, exactly. rage against the machine. Sometimes. We were, it, it was raging, constantly raging there. <laughs> Man, so, you know, rock and roll, Aleister Crowley, it just, you know, they're connected. Everyone always, because do what thou wilt, you know, do whatever mm-hmm. the fuck you want. Have all this, people always just associate it with hedonism and excess and all of that. But it's a little bit more nuanced than that, right? A little well, bit. I in the background say... of touring music, like how much overlap was there between the communities? So that's, in, that's a very good question, in fact, because... Um, there was no real overlap in those years that I was like a touring musician, right? We're talking about 2000s to 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that my scene was called like the industrial scene, the industrial EBM, industrial electro god, whatever you want to call it, right? And I always thought that since, you know, the, the forefathers of industrial were all bands and musicians who were very much involved with magic and with LS, especially, you know, very much inspired by Lester Crowley, thinking about Throbbing Gristle, Coil, uh, even Skinny Puppy later on, right? Mm. They were into the occult, right? Uh, but the reality there is that it, those were very different years. Uh, the, it was a, they were very, very hedonistic years, so uh, way more than it is now. I guess because everybody had much more money and the world was a bit more stable. So mm. we were all thinking about, you know, drinking, fucking, and taking a lot of drugs. <laughs> and. As you do, <laughs> well, the, we say it is, but then look at the youths of today. They don't do that anymore, really, right? <sighs> don't even, don't get me started on my old lady talk about how the kids today, it's like they're worse in a way, like they don't have enough fun. Every, drugs yeah. are shitty, so their music is shitty. It's because everything is, they record everything, yeah. so they can't have fun. You know, I like, guess that's, I guess we are enabled that right now, right? In doing a podcast, right? Goddamn it! Mean, yeah. yeah, but like my, I, I have, I mean, just side note, like I have trouble with the whole content, me content as a comedian constantly mm-hmm. thing because I just don't feel the need to be in public constantly and start filming myself. It just feels weird to me. Like if I, if yeah. I have something that I've written or something I want to say or like you know I've created something like a sketch or something, but like mm-hmm. I just don't have this need to film everything. It just feels bizarre. And they just film their whole lives all the time. Well, I feel like that's kind of the difference between observing life and actually being a participant yeah. in life. Yeah. Like, put your phone away and participate. Yeah. But they you know, know. they film everything. And so, like, they're not going to go have a fucking orgy because then someone's going to get, like... Because somebody's tr- going to tag them in the video at the orgy. Yeah, and then somebody yeah. lied to uh, their honestly, girlfriend. Honestly, that's, that's also that problem, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's also a problem that now you cannot do anything because, you know, you, the internet will know. Pretty right. fast. And forever. Uh, you, were asking, yeah, yeah. you were asking me how, how much of cro- you know um, cross pollination there was. There wasn't much actually. Uh, in fact, I was I was considered a bit of a weirdo uh, because mm. of my magic interest. And again, it really did not resonate with me at all because I got into that in scene because I I thought I would find other people interested in my same you know 
practices, right? But it wasn't the case at all. And then when I when I started like getting out of, of the music scene for many reasons, like mainly there was really no money anymore, uh, at least not enough to to keep on going, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was getting I was getting older. I started getting hangovers. I was like, okay, that's that's a problem right there. Um, and then you know I started switching out of that. And as I did that, that's when the occult became popular again. <laughs> so right now, you know, I'm saying the last ten years, you had you know all these bands that started bringing back all those themes. Like my friends, uh, Three Teeth from LA. Love uh, Three Teeth. Yeah, I mean, I love them. I, I I was there pretty much. You know, very one of. I was there the first UK show actually, and that's why when we, um, me and Alexis became good friends, and we've been our friends ever since. And I mean, they became such a big band, but they have very heavy uh, occult teams going for them. Um, so I kind of missed the point. <laughs> I kind of missed that that point where like everybody, you know, music and and the magic was still um, tied together. But as you were saying, also. Um, a lot of people still think that Telema and Alistair Crowley, it's all about hedonism, right? And it's undeniable that Crowley himself was an hedonist, like he really enjoyed life uh, to the fullest, from time to time, maybe at the expense of others. Um, Norberg. What, what was yeah, his name? <laughs> Poor <laughs> Norberg. Do you know about Norberg? He, about Norberg. Well, he, you know, he fucked this guy in the desert. Oh, yeah. Until they opened up a gate to Babylon and he went crazy. Yeah. Right. Is that, do I, I mean, you're the expert. I'm so scared of talking about it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, uh, if we, we can say that. Well, what we're doing is that we're trying to scry um, the Enochian ethers to enable um, a very much adva- an advanced initiation for Crowley. At some point, you know, they decided to go a little bit too much into that. And apparently, you know, the demon Coronzon, which is the only. The only thing we have in Telema that's similar to the concept of Satan or devil, but really is the idea of dispersion, uh, came through and really scared them. In fact, um, also, you know, when, when the premise of that, when you when you hear these stories, right, always remember that Crowley was writing them right after these intense rituals where were very, you know, very much physical and embodied rituals, sex and visualization, and a lot of drugs as well. So, you know, like that's that's when you read, for instance, The Vision and the Voice, which is the account of those, um, that the series of rituals uh, that they did with Neuberg. Um, there's such like vivid visions in it, possibly because he was really off his face all the time, right? Um, which is to be fair, um, it's not a bad thing to say. I mean, again, um, a lot of people would disagree with me, but I I like the idea. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to try to like pierce the veil and get through to another dimension, you know, huh? like that's use psychedelics for that. Um, well, you, know, you would argue that you need to to have it under control because there's, you know, there's a big difference between doing magic and having a psychedelic experience the same way, right? A lot of people are still attracted to dilemma because of course it had You say like, do what the will, do what you want. It couldn't be further from, from it, right? In many ways, the do what the will of dilemma is discover who you truly are. And it is a, a lifelong commitment. It's not just hey, this morning I decided that I want to do this. It's more about like, you have to try and try and try and try. And then eventually after peeling all the layers of this onion, you go to to whatever is the core of it, right? Aligning now, reality to your true identity. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you can also say that you, what you're doing is that you are setting yourself um, 
on the course of the orbit of your own star. And so you become in full harmony with every other star and every other planet and every other you know, body in the universe. Um, I'm not exactly sure that by the time Crowley was writing this, they discovered black holes, but you know, <laughs> that's another problem right there, right? But hey, it, it works as, a, as an allegory, an I like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, the thing that I'm the most obsessed with about the idea of contacting other entities. Like you mentioned Corazon, the the mm-hmm. kind of satanic entity, uh, is a lot of people think that Alistair Crowley may have opened up some kind of dimension and when he was speaking to Lamb or Iwas when he wrote Book of the Law, mm-hmm. the way that he wrote, he did a sketch of that entity and it looks just like a gray alien. So a lot of people think that he maybe in some way like brought the gray alien, you know, into our dimension or reality in some way i'm like i'm not being as articulate as i normally am because i like this guy can call me on any shit if i don't have it right no no not at all (laughs) uh you you, you're right you're right but we have to explain it a little bit right because so what happens there there's two moments in the history of, of crowley where this entity appears right the first one is in 1904 uh crowley at this point in his life he kind of gave up on magic. You know, he has been a member of the Magic Order of the Golden Dawn for a while. It didn't work out for him. A lot of drama, um, a lot of problems with William Butter Yates and Mather. Side note, that story that everyone always tells about them fighting in the Golden Dawn and kicking each other in robes down the temple. Oh, yeah, he like storms into the court. It's not true. Is it real? It's kind of true in the sense that what really happened there is that he did show up at uh, Blythe Road here in London, where um, the Golden Dawn had Isis Urania Temple, their main temple here in London, because he was acting uh, on behalf of Mathers. Mathers was the chief adept, the, the, the chief of the Golden Dawn, but he was being ousted by the, the people in London, right? Long drama, right? So he goes there, acting upon Mathers' behalf to retrieve documents. But at that uh, over there, you will find William Butler Yeats, the, fa- the famous Irish poet, that was also a, ch- a very high adept of the Golden Dawn, and they have an altercation. But what happens really there is that just Crowley turns the leaves, and that's that's it. And we know this because we have um, in Helly Rose, Magicians of the Golden Dawn, uh, there's um, a witness testimony from somebody who was there at the time, right? So this was just a simple, simple altercation. Crowley did show up, you know, in like high highlands garb and with a strange mask and, and daggers. Um, well the dagger was really the um, how do you say the, i cannot pronounce that it's a, it's a ceremonial exactly the ceremonial yeah. dagger that you put in a, under a kilt right that that was was the happening there right i um, mean you still look cool like you know it, it look cool. yeah absolutely and it, something else that people don't, don't realize right because when we think of Crowley right now, we think of some, of an old man, a fat Buddha, right? Crowley at the time was young and incredibly fit, right? Like he was, this, this is why I always laugh when I hear, read these things online. Oh, you know, William Butter Yates, like kicked him down the, the, down the, um, the staircase. William Butter Yates was a frail poet. Crowley was a mountaineer in his prime. I'm not sure that, that would have worked that very well, right? Uh, but it's definitely true that he showed up. And then he was told, you know, you, you got to leave. Well, it's kind of a One, boring story. I can see why people have uh, elaborated. Kind of boring, yeah, exactly. yeah. And you know, like, the really there is that a lot of what you find in Telema, you know, when you leave it, it's way more, uh, I don't want to say boring, but it's a lot more um, landed. 
just mundane. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Than, than uh, what you might expect from it. I will, at the same time, I've been doing this for 30 years as a soldier, right? So I do find immense, um, int- immense, you know, things coming from it, from it, right? I, I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the energy. I really enjoy the experience. I really enjoy the felt uh, experience of the rituals, of the connections, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, we're, we're, we're talking about Ivas, right? Ivas. So, aliens. Aliens. So, aliens. Well, is it an alien? Well, let's see if we can actually untangle that a little bit. So 1904, Crowley left the Golden Dawn. Uh, he's living as a Buddhist, really, and he's married, first marriage with Rose Kelly. And they go on a honeymoon. Uh, Crowley, at this point in time, is still a multimillionaire. He has inherited around like six million pounds, so what, $10 million. So he was uh, from, the uh, coolest trust fund kid ever. Yeah, Oscar exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was really, it, it was that. You got it. it. Because also remember that he was a mountaineer, he was a poet, he was a chess master. He was not a stupid person. Right. But he was also fucking loaded. Baby. Yeah. And a neighbor baby. Exactly. And right. he'd be yeah. probably into Bitcoin today, but. You know. um, I, I always like to think of him going on to Joe Rogan. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can see that happening, right? Um, so anyway, he's married. He's, gets his first um, first wife, Rose Kelly, and then they're on a honeymoon in Cairo, as you do. And something happens whereby Rose Kelly, that up until that point, never exhibited any interest in magic whatsoever. She tells him that they want to talk to him. And so Crowley takes her to the Bullock Museum um, in in Cairo and tell ask her, so who's who, who among all these gods here, all the spirits you can see around you, who's this who is this calling for me? And she points to one particular funerary stele that was in a glass um, cabinet. And on this funerary stele, um, which is called the stele of Ankafna Konsu, um, you see a an image where basically a priest, a, a, a priest king is offering uh, libations to Horus, uh, so the uh, hawk-headed god, and then Nuit, which is I can't see, but it's behind me. <laughs> Nuit is arching, overarching over over him, and then there's also the wing globe, and so these three um, the deities, uh, spirits, gods, whatever you want to call them, apparently it was them that was calling to to him. However. They were calling to him through the uh, the ministry of another spirit called Iwas, okay, which has been spelled in different ways by Crowley himself, by other people. Uh, some people even, you know, made the point. Well, Iwas, it's I was right. So, so maybe it was like you know the Crowley subconscious. We don't know. Um, there's a lot of like debate in magical circles about if magic is just psychological, if magic as a um, you know spirit exists inside of us, outside of us. Let's not go into that right now, right? Oh yeah. So don't <laughs> sigil magic. Where is it? Are you just convincing yourself that a thing's going to happen? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot. Is there a difference? Is there a difference? Is there not a difference? Like that's one of the things that um, magicians like to ask themselves a lot. And if you know, if in my book I I made the point right at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter at this stage, at least, right? What matters at the very early stages of a magical practice is that you engage with it and see if something happens, right? Maybe there will be time that you can find for yourself what is your truth, okay? Which is kind of like also discovering your true will and doing your true will, et cetera, et cetera. So 
1904, this is the first time that, that Ivas appears, and it's kind of a big deal because through Ivas, he speaks or hears the voice of these other three gods, and he writes the Book of the Law, Liber Albilegis, which is here, as you can see. There you go. That's the Liber Albilegis. Um, and then Crowley pretty much decides to ignore all of it for the next five years uh, because he cannot make sense of it. He realized that it's um, it's a powerful message, but he loves some of it and he really hates some of it. You know, there's three chapters in the Book of the Law. The first one, Nuit is speaking, and it's a very beautiful, loving message. Then you have Hadith speaking, and it's still kind of nice, but there's a little bit, there's some fire in it. And then the final chapter, the one where Rahu Kuit, or the active uh, side, or the the speech of Horus uh, speaks, and it's really, really like, um, I mean, imagine what it would do if you go on on an accelerationist uh, 4chan, <laughs> you know, thread, and that's kind of the kind of vibe you get from from Horus speaking. It's really Horus, like a, a troll. He was a troll. Yeah, it was it was kind of nasty as well, right? Um, and of course, saying this, I will attract the ires of all the telemites out there. But hey, you know. Care, <laughs> so yeah. The steam is so good. So, like I said, for many years he ignores all of this, and then in 1907 he finally decides they have to make sense of it, and he receives again he channels right another like, twelve uh, books uh, libri of various length that um, go up to make what we call like the holy books of Telema, and then this is like the doctrine right, and it's very difficult to untangle, very poetic uh, uh, reference, uh, into reference, into reference. It's not easy, an easy read, right? Some are practical, some are philosophical, not an easy read. The point is that from this point onward, he goes all into the lemma. Like he, he says, this is it. This is my life's work. I need to do this, right? I am the prophet of the lemma. It would be another, what's like, 10 years at that point, where he will be in, in well, in New York, he, he goes through New York, and then he ends up in Paris, in France, and he's doing some sort of magical uh, rituals over there with other people, uh, called the Amalantra working, uh, or also Opus Lutetianum, the, the Paris working, and at this point, he kind of left behind uh, ceremonial magic, and it's almost all sex magic, not just, but a lot, a lot of sex is happening there. Is this and, the is this the farm that people talk about, like the farmhouse? Um, no, that... the, I think you're thinking about um, the Abbey of Telema yeah. in Sicily. Okay. No, that, that's that, that, would be, that would be a... later No, that's right? the Bullskin. Different. Oh, that's, that's the Bullskin. Bullskin. Yeah. We'll get to Bullskin. Yeah. Uh, so that that's so basically, yeah, that's a few years later. Boleskin that you're mentioning actually happens at the very beginning, right? That's where that's where he met Rose, right? In Boleskin oh, in four years. Right. So um, it's true this Amalantra working or Paris working that he received another con- connection with another spirit that calls himself the wizard Abudis. And and the wizard Amalantra, okay. 
a lot of people have inferred here that, you know, through this, uh, because we don't really have a lot of uh, detail from Crowley himself, at least it's not public. Um, you, you cannot, you cannot there's a lot of, lots of material, a lot of like diaries, that, um, Crowley's diaries and other documents that are not um, available to the general public. They're very, they're hoarded by various people. Uh, but everything that I've seen um, doesn't have, doesn't clarify this point, but it's inferred that through the working with this wizard Abudis and and uh, Amalantra, uh, he then sees another strange character, and that is the famous, you know, uh, almond-shaped head, like kind of gray alien, that he calls Lam, and Lam is you got to understand Crowley. Uh, Crowley was a big brain, but from time to time his understanding of, you know, languages or mythology or anthropology, it would, of course, it's not as, as refined as ours nowadays with all the studies that we've been doing in, in the intervening years. But long story short, he says the Lam is the Tibetan word for the way. Another many years pass, and one of his uh, students, Kenneth Grant, um, starts writing books, um, and in his books, he, he is the one who makes the connection between Lam and Ivas. Basically, Ken Grant tells us, and again, I have absolutely no reason to doubt it, that, I mean, Ken Grant did know Crowley directly, right? And uh, Crowley did gift him with the original painting of drawing, it's not a painting, drawing of Lam, and apparently he told him that like, this is Ivas, okay? So this is, and it is that, how is it possible that, you know, two different entities can be the same? The way I always try to explain it is that um, for us humans, we are, you know, aggregates of consciousness that are locked into a physical body, right? So for us, it's relatively difficult to think that we can be different things or at the same time or over time. We can evolve into different things. We're kind of always locked into this uh, physical body throughout our experience of life. Spirit doesn't, it's not like that. Spirit exists outside space and time, and it's not locked into any body. So the same essence, the same ontological essence, in fact, can move and evolve and become the different things, even if the core is the same. That's how I reconcile the idea. Lamb had pronouns. Hmm. It's okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it can change. It was ahead yeah, of its time. It's fine. Change. I feel like I lost today and I'm lamb tomorrow. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah, get on with it. Um, but I, okay, so Damon's, you know, people, talk, so like, would you say that lamb was a, like, well, like, okay, so there's the Book of Goetia and there's like Damon's that people can conjure and w was lamb like a part of that or like, just act like I don't know anything. Tell me. Kindergarten so time. So the Goetia is one of the books that make the lesser key of Solomon. There are five, um, Ars Goetia, Ars Theologia Goetia, Ars Almadel, uh, Ars Paulina, and Ars Notoria. They're all... Uh, <laughs> see? I got it right. Yeah. So there is... Um, the Ars Goetia is the, the most famous because it's the one that deal with what we call demons, Right. And first of all, what is a demon? Okay, um, a lot of people I wrote like plenty of books on these subjects, and if you ask uh, um, 
Well, if you ask like the, the Christofascists that have been harassing me on Twitter since yesterday, they will tell tell you, yeah, exactly. They will tell you that humans <laughs> are like the, uh, the monsters and uh, you know the the dark side of creation, everything that has like denied God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I think that the best before coffee. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. Um, what I think what is the best definition of the of this concept comes from the late Jake Stratton Kent, and um, he wrote several books. But I, the one I always like to refer to is Geosophia, which was published like ten years ago, 15, 15 years. I don't remember. Time is time is fucking weird. Like some time ago, right? And he makes the point to the you know, and he writes. He's not. He's not an academic, but he writes very like an academic. So a lot of reference, a lot of like uh, um, citations, citations, sources, etc. Right. He makes the point that what we call demons, and especially the spirits we find into these um, grimoires that come from the Middle Ages, really, or maybe later, but in general, they are old pagan gods or all spirits of the place that eventually became demonized by Christianity, by Islam, uh, in fact, even before by Judaism, by everything that sees the divine as one, whereby the reality is that maybe it's a bit more complicated, complicated than that, right? So that's what a demon is, okay? We can go a little bit more specific and say that they are sublunar spirits as opposed to celestial spirits. So spirits that are they're more you know connected to the world around us as opposed to you know what we would call angels. That in fact they are spirits more connected with the cosmos on what happens you know beyond uh, the the lunar level. And um, but then again, these are all just like I said in the book, these all maps of reality, right? Like we can we can create as many maps we want. Uh, we can put things into neat, neat little boxes. Because we're humans, that's what we like to do. We like yeah. to make sense of things. We like to compartmentalize. Really, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. That's, that, why that's we, how we make sense. We need it because the unknown is so yeah. staggering and incredible, you know? I'm, I'm just of the mind that all this stuff is just the same thing, you know? Aliens, demons, fairies. It's all just interdimensional travelers, man. That's That's all I'm saying. And they've all got different (laughs) missions and they all come from a little place different. And sometimes it's a little helpful and sometimes it's a little nefarious. Yeah, I think so. I think it, but I mean, I've been reading a lot of John Keel lately, so I think it's all connected. But I I love John Keel, Jack Vallee, and I really, and I really, I tend to err on that side of the, you know, of the spectrum as well, right? I, in my experience, they're not exactly all the same. Mostly because, mostly because of the way we perceive them, right? It's not so much maybe their problem; it's more like our problem. Like how how good is are our ears, our uh, eyes? Uh, how good is our brain to actually make sense of the contact, right? Imagine that something comes towards you, and maybe if you have very blurry eyes, or you know, like me without glasses, you can see shit. You see something blurry coming towards you, but if you put on glasses all of a sudden there's definition like that's what really magic should do like should give you better glasses and better ears and better brain to make sense of contact now back to what we were saying ivas is not a demon right ivas is not ivas is a, is a ultra celestial spirit right so if we're trying to make sense of this um of this contact and divide things in these little boxes demons exist demons fairies Jeans. We're gonna be a bit erratic here, but they will exist pretty much in in the same space as us. OK, 
Okay, then you got angels, and that exists on a, on a bit higher level, right? They're a bit more cosmic, and then you have things like Ivas that come pretty much from outside existence, and they come into this existence to bring a message, like in the case of the reception of the Book of the Law. Um, does it make sense? It may. I mean, it's all very abstract. You know, I think these beings come and manipulate you know, who knows what their aims are, what their goals are, but what you said about what we can perceive, it's like we don't even see all of visible light, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. So, what I mean, who knows? The jellyfish UFO just came jellyfish out. Jellyfish UFO. And and no one saw that, one, you know, that was walking around while it was on top, you know? So, like... So, <laughs> where do the the alien sightings and, and alien abductions and alien interactions, where does that in any way fit into the lemma? Like, what is the viewpoint... What's the Thelema lens? What on is that? the Thelema? The yes, yeah. So I'm going to give you my viewpoint because because my viewpoint is considered very heretic in Thelema, uh, and the, my point is that they these are all these, all these aliens, right? Uh, whatever we call aliens, UFOs, UAPs, strange term nowadays. Like they all pertain to the idea of consciousness. It's all consciousness, mm -hmm. right? It's consciousness that from time to time. From time to time, it takes specific form according to our lenses, like how we perceive this consciousness coming to us, right? The connection with Telema is for another massive misconception, okay? And that is that um, Jack Parsons famously, you know, opened the gate in the Mojave Desert uh, in the uh, in the well late 40s and uh, right pretty much around the time where um, the first UFOs were sighted mm -hmm. exactly and uh, now I'm telling you this is a biggest a, a massive misconception actually I was fighting about this with the Christopher fascist on Twitter yesterday or X I mean it is X because it's, it's kind of like 4chan I right won't now. call it that we just call it Twitter Elon it's, Elon yeah, can't have uh, he can't have everything he wants. Okay, we're gonna call it Twitter. We're calling it by its it. dead name. Yeah, <laughs> we're dead naming Twitter. <laughs> dead naming Twitter. Wow, that's harsh. But um, so the the situation there is that Jack Parsons was the who was Jack Parsons, maverick genius, uh, absolutely reckless individual. But it's thanks to him that we have. Um, you know, the 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 fuel that got us to the moon. If we he, believe uh, we went to the moon, he was super I, hot. I, uh, he hung out with uh, with Elron Hubbard. He hung out with Crowley. There's a show called Love and Rockets. There's a couple of books. I uh, like sex when you and say rockets. hang out. They were all in the orgy together. Yes. Okay. Great. Oh, yeah. I just want to make sure I know yeah. that hang out means deep throat. That was a party. I wish I'd been there. Oh my god. I mean, they they were yeah, having a lot of fun. Sure. And I'll tell you, you know, the the, the orgies at uh, Pasadena Lodge, where where um, Parsons was the master of, it's pretty much one of the few good times that ever happened in the OTO. <laughs> so you know, to let you know, that's, way that's to the, sell the, it, way to sell yeah. the OTO. <laughs> Is the Whoa. OTO not still having mass orgies? What? 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 Uh, Is the good I time over? I haven't seen one in all the years that I was a member of OTO. So you know, that's uh, ah, actually damn it. I'll tell you, at least here in the in the UK, it was full of prudes, and uh, I guess it still is, to be fair. Um, so it was very much it was very much sanitized, uh, but we can nice. we can get there. Later. So, okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so 
Jack Parson, weird individual, uh, rocket scientist. He invented rocket science, literally. <laughs> and uh, uh, he was also a magician, very much involved in Telema, very much involved in the OTO. The OTO stands for Ordo Templariantis, and it's the other order that Crowley did not found. He inherited, right, from a group of like Germans that started it. And the OTO starts as a Masonic order. So it's, it's clandestine Freemasonry, but it's very much Freemasonry. Crowley telemises it and brings sex magic to it. However, <laughs> it's not it's not as cool as you think it is. Oh, damn it. We'll get there. We'll get there. So um, Jack Parsons decides that he needs to fast track his initiation. Uh, this is happens at the time where he was starting to be investigated by the FBI because he had a lot of communist sympathies. He was never a member of the Communist Party, but he had a lot of communist sympathies. I mean, like Oppenheimer, like we all saw the movie mm-hmm. last summer. Like well, That was the time, right? That was exactly the, the vibe that was happening. So uh, he decided he needs to fast track his initiation. It means that he needs to achieve a higher grade. Okay, when we, it's, we can go too much in detail what grade means. Let's say like, he has to get better in magic. Okay, uh, the problem is that Jack Parsons did not receive a thorough instruction in magic, and since he was Jack Parsons, he also thought that he could wing it, and that's what he did pretty much. So he read a book, a novel by Alistair Crowley called Moonchild, which is one of the. Um, it's the only good novel that he wrote really but it's really really good like everybody should write uh, should read uh, read moonchild because it's amazing and um, in moonchild is all about incarnating a divine spark true sex magic okay and why we want to do this because the this incarnated god really then can help us living better it's a bit it's a bit more complicated than that but i'm trying to simplify it you're creating what your own that? assistant in life. Yeah, it, it, in many ways, it's uh, it, it's even more than that. You also create you also like creating your battery of luck, right? Uh, something that you know it's there, it's alive. Uh, at some point, can help you, like because it's of course got, a, got an actual genius, etc., etc., etc. So what Parsons understood instead that in order to fast track his initiation, he had to incarnate the goddess Babylon which is ridiculous <laughs> when you actually understand um, the, the theology of Telema, when you actually understand what Babylon is, a lot of people, especially, you know, in the last 15 years or so started to started devotionals towards Babylon seen as a you know, goddess of lust, goddess of, of, you know, unbridled sex, goddess of raw power. The great that war, all, the great home yeah, of exactly, Babylon. Right? But that is only one aspect and in fact, it's only like um, it's almost like the a mask. Uh, the way she portrays first, almost like to scare the Christians away, and then who remains is who accept to be completely dissolved into her, like a black hole, if you want, and to be reborn as no one that is the master of the temple. So you really, it's a it's a much more like mystical experience, similar to the concept of shunyata in uh, in Hinduism, like the void, the meditating on on the on the purity of the void, the annihilation of duality. Right. That's what like Babylon completely really relinquishing is. ego and, mm-hmm. and correct attachment. Exactly. Yeah, which is absolutely not what Parson tried to do. <laughs> he was like Parson full was ego. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You can tell. You can so, tell by looking at him. He was full mm-hmm. ego. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, there's, I, I think there's nothing bad with that. Uh, in many ways, you know, we're still talking about him because he was, an, like, really, another genius, right? And to be fair, Thelema sorely lacks an, another person like Parson or another person like Crowley, right? It's all about, there, like, there's not many interesting people, in, especially in the OTO, if I'm going to be very honest with you, right? So, Is it just long people story that- short. People that enjoy rules tend to join at this point, at this stage in the game. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. At that point, why not just go back to Catholicism? If you like rules well, that much and you don't want to live deliciously, like, I mean, yeah, yeah I think you have, I mean, I, I, I think, I, think it's I, all about doing, I mean, chaos magic appeals to me and doing it on your own. And I mean, look, I, I'm reading this and I, and I, it's so fascinating. I'm definitely going to try some stuff out, but it's also like going to college. It's like, yeah, you it, gotta, you gotta work. set time aside. This is a fucking time investment. Joining the OTO is like, you're going to school, you know? And I mean, I'm going to tell you like, that book is heavily, heavily simplified. Like, yeah, it's heavy, it's simplified. Wow. <laughs> what I did was like, you know, basically in that book, I present the the training system of the AA, which is not Alcoholical Anonymous, even if a lot of people in the AA <laughs> yeah, Anonymous as well. It's way but cooler it's, than AA. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but basically I simplified that, but the real training that I underwent, it's way, way more gruesome. Uh, and by gruesome, I mean, like, you really need to set up. I mean, it's it's about becoming a night monk of dilemma. So you get the point, right? But the, the idea is that you do that, you do all this renunciation and discipline so that then you can engage fully mm-hmm. with, you know, with the hedonism. Whenever the hedonism possibility is there, or whenever you create it, then you are, you're, you're into it. What I, what I really noticed in... My years in DOTO, that again, I've seen people here in the UK and I've seen some people in Italy. Uh, I know a lot of people in the United States, but I never, I never attended, you know, OTO um, lodge meeting in the US. Maybe it's different over there. It's definitely the US. Definitely has a bigger OTO populace, uh, popula- population. Um, but from what I hear, it's not that different to be fair. And it's really like about hierarchies and rules and there's there's fucking boomers at the top that they refuse to die and they just like keep like making the rules and everybody has to suck their dick virtually yeah Yeah. (laughs) virtually right (laughs) so so like um you know like the rumor people when everyone talks about the oto they're always like well you know at the very top it's all butthole magic at the top you just gotta yeah it's all about anal is is that no it is it is absolutely fucking bullshit so but we'll, we're just going to places, but it's fine. Like I like I like the 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 free um, <laughs> the, the you know f- f- spitballing as we are. I like it. Yeah. So the point is that right, the audio is a Masonic telemic system. It means that for the longest time you go to a lodge and you do rituals that are incredibly um, very well uh, choreographed. But you are like as as a Freemason, like you go into a lodge and things are done to you in the sense that you assist almost like a theater happening. And the message, you, you I mean you should look at all the hints, and then maybe you know after you've done it yourself, you watch other people going through it. And over the years, you make sense of all these allegories and all this symbology. That's that's the Masonic model, and the OTO is very much based on this Masonic model. The difference 
in theory, happens in the higher degrees of the OTO. So 7th, well, 8th, 9th, and 10, 9th, and then 11th, it's a bit complicated, but that's when you start doing practical sex magic, in theory. In practice, um, in the OTO that you can join today, and then the OTO that I joined and left, it's a reconstruction. It was reconstructed in the 70s by an American guy called Grady McMurtry, and then it was incorporated in 85. And that's been going on. The same people running it ever since. Oh my God. And these people, yeah, and these people kind of like blocked advancement. Like you can get only to a certain um, degree, the fifth or less, and then everything else, you're going to be friend with the, with the boss, which is always the same person. It never leaves, it's always there. And uh, so very few people have actually been initiated in those practical sex magical degrees. And the, the, there's also like this massive misunderstanding of what these degrees entail. The eighth degree is, ether, um, sorry, uh, Homer, how do you say that? Uh, autosexual magic, like uh, masturbation, okay? So basically you, you please you, pleasure yourself and at the moment of climax, you project this energy onto whatever you want to do. It can be your intent, can be a sigil, can be a talisman, et cetera, et cetera. The ninth degree is heterosexual generative magic in the sense, and this is very, this is another very problematic issue because the audio is incredibly gender normative. Hmm. Like it's very heteronormative in the sense that the ninth degree I'm going to tell you why it's a big problem in a second, because the nine degree is generative. So it has to be done by two people that can generate a child. Okay. This child can be an actual child, the moon child. Remember the one we were discussing before, or usually it's this intent that is generated. The fluids are mixed and then they are applied to a talisman or they're ingested as an Eucharist. Then the 11th degree, which the current person that runs the OTO almost also doesn't want to recognize it anymore, it's not homoerotic or it's not anal sex. It, it, it is non-generative. So it could be a woman on a woman, for instance, right? That could be an 11th degree. And the difference between the two is that the ninth, by virtue of it being generative, can be used to do things, create things, whereby the 11th is receptive. So it can be used to, for instance, have prophecies and div have divinations and et cetera, et cetera. Now, I just told you the secrets of the OTO. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> well, you know, we got We should have brought some cakes of light. We should, yeah. I'm, on the, I'm on my period right now. It's just a missed opportunity. <sighs> and we could have had some prophecies, but we we, I think we'd have to well, fuck. Um. There you go. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, no. Um, okay. What's, what's the bullshit that the, you know, the Christo fascists are always coming after you about? I mean, I could tell you some things that people, when every time I bring up Aleister Crowley around, you know, people that don't know anything about the occult, here's something I always hear. Well, Aleister Crowley was a pedophile and fuck him. Why would, you know, you can't listen to anything he said. It was all about hedonism and he fucked animals too. Like, you know, you're all that. What, what are your responses to that bullshit? You know, the reality there is that I tried to make sense with these people and I realized that 
the window of opportunity to make sense with these people is gone because of whatever we the the times we're living in right now, yeah. the, all the polarization that the world is going be going through for the last decade, et cetera, et cetera, and all the the misinformation that has been spread through social media. I think humanity was not ready for social media. No. Uh, we have, we don't have the brain wired for this, right? So I think I think. I think we're fucked. Like, I think we cannot discuss with them anymore. Once upon a time, when I was trying to make sense with these people, I would say that, for instance, Curly was not a pedophile. Uh, he w- made a lot of jokes about killing thousands of children because he was basically masturbating. That's talking it. talking about like, cum. He was a comic. Cum, yeah, yeah. He was doing it, open it, mic. He was talking about his cum yeah. all over the girl's face. This is just open mic material. He was a troll. That's true. Yeah. He was That's being true. a fucking fun troll. Yeah, I killed it all the wool girls. I killed all those children on that girl's face last night. <laughs> it yeah. is true, however. He would have yeah, been on Rogan. That, <laughs> yeah, he would have been on sure. Rogan. Yeah. It is true that he did kill some animals in sacrifice over the course of his life. Um, and it is possible that he was very not good at that. So there must might, might have been some nastiness involved, right? Old people... A lot of biographers from Crowley say, well, you know, it was the Victorian times. It was the Edwardian times. You know, I, I, feel, I feel this. I think that that's kind of bullshit, right? He could definitely have avoided that. Um, it is true that he asked his uh, scarlet woman at the time that they were in Chefalu, so at the Abbey of the Lemma. This was um, um, Le Hirsig, Halostrel, to have sex with a goat. But the fact is that she enjoyed it. And she was really, they were very much into scat. They were very much into doing all sorts of extreme play. And it was very much consensual. So the problem is that I remember. (laughs) The goat might have liked it. I don't, I've seen some videos where they like, they show up like the, Anyway, I saw some shit. Uh, okay. uh, there's was the goat paid? Well, there's I mean probably with food. Okay, I mean there's these ponies on this one channel that like it looks like they know they've been there they've done it before. It's not their first rodeo, so to no. speak. Rodeo, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just I, I just know that by saying these things out loud here, like people will just go fucking mantle. But hey, you know what? I that's the truth, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no crow because a lot of like crowly apologists over the years. A lot of them in the audio have been trying to avoid the more unsavory side of, of Crowley. I I don't like doing it. I mean, he did a lot of weird shit. I mean, a the lot. truth is the truth. And like, you know, didn't he also yeah. like people died while they were mountaineering with him? And he was just like, well, yeah. you couldn't keep up. Fuck you. Well, no, they, they <laughs> mutinied. Right? What? Didn't they mutiny they were, when they, they were, were hiking with oh. him and they fell down the mountain and died or whatever? Yeah, and the they, community precisely. blamed him. I yeah, read about I mean, that. It, <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. It's so it's it can be um it can we mean we can we can think that he was not a nice man towards uh people that were not of British descent, let's put it like this, right? Okay, but there but, there uh, are rumors of like Nazi sympathizing or something like that. Hey, um, well, didn't didn't he wasn't he uh, he was in he was in the OSS. He was uh, an intelligence officer against the Nazis though. We, we don't have so, so there's enough evidence, but there's no final proof because you know, um, special um, the MI five, MI six never confirmed it. Obviously, it but there's enough evidence that he Tr- might. Yeah, he might have been yeah, in the office of tr- strategic services before the CIA didn't. Yeah, oh, no, wait, that's it, America. Hold, I'll shut up now. 
Yeah. MI5, MI5. yeah. So basically, there's enough evidence that he might have been recruited already when he was at Cambridge. Uh, and so throughout his life, he's been, because if you think about it, right, he was a very well-connected person in the occult circles. Uh, he had a lot of money. So it, it kind these are the kind of people that usually, you know, they're, they're picked up by uh, secret services. We don't have any hard evidence, though, okay? When you speak about um, Nazi sympathies, um, it is true that there was a moment where he was very keen on spreading Thelema to anybody who would listen. And one of his disciples in Germany, Martha Kunzel, Soro Ickwil Hess, she was a Nazi sympathizer, like big fucking time. <laughs> and it is true that she t- did bring, she was actually somebody that was, I'm not going to say like you know, Hitler in her circle, but she, she had contacts. Sure. And it's, it's definitely possible that she tried to bring, you know, Hitler to look at, at uh, Crowley as a new prophet, right? But obviously it didn't work. Another thing that's true is that when Haruto has uh, came to um, escape Germany and uh, crash landed in the um, here in the UK and of course got arrested, Ian Fleming, which was like the of course the author of, of James, um, Bond. Seven, James Bond, tried to get Crowley to speak with him with Hess, but it was shut down wow. because you know um, Fleming knew very well that Crowley was. A, Incredibly, it was he knew he could speak to Hess at the same language, right? And but you know, at that point in time, Curly's um, Curly was poor, uh, had a lot of like bad um, reputation about him because he really enjoyed being you know the wickedest man in the world. Uh, and so here in the UK, especially especially here in England, um, it's all about the facade. It's all about respectability, and it still is. It always been always been always will be and so at the time he was completely he was blown like so they, they could not use him so that but it could have been it could have happened right it could have been that uh Crowley would have been the first person talking with uh, with a nazi escaping from nazi germany that's I mean, so crazy like please curly yeah. can you come speak to rudolf hess no i'm too busy being the wickedest man in the world i cannot help you i must fuck this goat now. i'm so sorry we're busy <laughs> busy fucking goats uh, kind of like that happened yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you know, I always wondered if Himmler had been interested. You know, he was starting that uh, that like castle and Jeremy. You know what I'm talking about? And they were going into the, all the old like, pagan, yeah. the full society, and all that shit. And I'm sure that like he had you know had heard of Thalema. Of course, it was like on the radar of stuff that they wanted to pull from to make their like neo crazy religion, but. I'm sure it's, they had some mutual friends. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely possible. Um, also, the problem, the problem, why it didn't happen, really. Uh, it's and again, this is my personal um, opinion. It's because the Nazi Germany was really against anything even remotely Jewish, obviously, and of course, everything that was Masonic. Well, huge connection with uh, Judaism, right? Um, even one very strange offshoot of Telema called the Fraternitas Saturni that still exists to this day was actually outlawed by the Nazis even if they had a lot of like um, Odinist vibe to it, mm-hmm. right? But they they could not touch it. So, yeah. 
Many way, it's good. It's good because then I'm gonna be honest with you. If um, the Nazi had anything to do with it, I would not be interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, it was too cool for them. Fuck them. So you said you're writing another book, right? Yes, indeed. Yes. Tell us about the the new book. Well, um, it it's just I just started writing it. Right. So basically, um, it's meant to be. A continuation from the Lester Crowley manual. The okay. Lester Crowley manual, you know, it's about you know bringing down the basis of the practice and getting you, you know, well rounded. Um, it's really about magic. Whereby the second book, which tentatively is going to be titled "Awakening the Angel," I don't know. I don't know if it will survive the many rounds of editing, but so far in my you know in my Google Docs is called "Awakening the Angel," and it's about mysticism instead. It's about um, what happens after you have built your body of light and you have become very familiar with the, the rituals of the lemma. What happens next? And also, so there will be we'll, we'll be discussing alchemy as well. So transmutation, I was discussing the Eucharist. So we were talking about the cakes of light before. So what, what they are, uh, how you use them, how you empower them, et cetera, et cetera. Why eating them at all? Uh, also to shut the fuck up with, with all these idiots that speak about, you know, spirit cooking and whatnot, which has nothing to do with Telema. It's spirit ah. cooking. Okay, have you heard this? So what is spirit cooking? Uh, Miriam Abramovich is this, uh, she's like an artist okay. and she well, go go ahead. Go ahead. Tell Adrian. <laughs> okay. Well, so, uh, yeah. I do <laughs> so Marina Abramovich is this very famous extreme artist, right? Mm -hmm. And she's been in, she's, she's been at the forefront of extreme art for since the 70s, I think. For now, I, I even, I don't know exactly what is the, all the connection, but what happens there is that in the years before, uh, before the end, I would say. In the years, let's say <laughs> before before uh, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she invited a series of um, politicians, including John Podesta, including Hillary Clinton, and some other, you know, the, the evil cabal, right? Uh, she invited to one of these um, extreme art performance that she would call spirit cooking. I, I don't know exactly what it entails, but somehow in the ultra conspiratorial mindset of the aforementioned Christofascist, this spirit cooking became the cakes of light of Telema. It has to do with Why blood. It was, so, it, was a, yeah. it was some kind of art project that had to do with blood. She invited all these big donors. Rich Let people. me ask, is she white? Yeah. Okay. So how much of that did she like rip from voodoo and the ingestion of... It's a good, it's a good question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And the thing is that it could well be that she ripped it off from Telema as well, because in Telema, we have this Eucharist that is called the Cake of Light, which is basically a wafer made of menstrual okay. blood. Just say it. Mm -hmm. Period blood. Yeah. It's okay. You can say period blood it, here. It, because it, because it's, a bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit more complicated than that. It, ideally, you know, the one that is served to a congregation, there's one single drop Donor. of blood exactly and this you make a cake out of it and then this cake is reduced to ashes atomized and then the ashes are put back into the dough and then you make cakes for the congregation now this is for instance if you go to a gnostic mass which is the central public ritual of the oto beautiful ritual you will be presented and you will have to eat a cake of light enough to the point that if you decide not to eat it 
you, you will be asked to leave pretty much because it's all the idea of this ritual is to create a Eucharist that bring you power, but you got to eat it. And um, so in those ones, there will be like this single drop of blood that's been atomized and has been dispersed. In fact, there's nothing there. Okay. When you do the Gnostic Mass or when you do Eucharistic telemic rituals, for instance, the nine degree of OTO, there's an element of Eucharist there as well. What really happens is that you mingle together the, the sperm and the menstrual blood or the, sp the sperm and the vaginal fluids, and then you put it into the dough and then you create a, a cake of light, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is another thing that people won't tell you. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, uh, that's, that's how. But again, you know, those, those cannot be just... You, you cannot just go and fuck, and there you go. It's a kick of light. Like it's not. It's not felching. People say, "Oh, it's all, it's all about that." It's absolutely not about that. Like you have to learn about your own body, and you have to, in the moment of climaxing, you have to. Re First of all, you have to climax with your partner. You have to. You have to it's you have to be in tandem with your partner. For really tantric. Yeah, it's tantric. Exactly. It's very tantric, and then. At that point, maybe you even have prepared yourself in the in the days and weeks before by doing a special diet or doing meditation, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not just like, let's go fuck, right? Yeah, maybe you go get an STD screening before you, know. you feed your fluids to a mass of <laughs> and people. Depending what kind know, of, just put it out there. What kind of sex you're having, like have a bottom diet, maybe just smoothies. Maybe a bottom maybe diet. Maybe lots of pineapple. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, yeah, so, precisely. This is, this is just South so, Beach. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so, anyway, th that's that's why I was saying like the, you know, spirit cooking has nothing to do with uh, with the cakes of life. But to this day, you will still hear people taking. It's, they don't even ask themselves. It's just it's a fact by now, and it's it's so ridiculous because it's never been right. ever written about. Like it's not. Right. Well, you know, so that's what, that's what I'm going to say in the book. I'm going to tell you how to do it. <laughs> Q, okay. QAnon kind of created this new American mythology, you know, and yeah. with adrenochrome and cakes of light and the spirit and all this stuff that they're trying to just put on to everybody. It's well, just still believe funny, in right? the Jesus. Oh, yeah. I yeah, bet yeah. Donald Trump is going to, is brought back to kill all oh, the pedophiles. Oh, he's the new prophet. It's like, oh my. Anyway, yeah. I can't, I can't, gonna, I can't. Yeah, you don't understand the, the level of cognitive dissonance these people oh, must have. By the insane. way, it's funny you mentioned adrenochrome because without even knowing about adrenochrome in this, you know, in, in this, um, in this field, um, I named my last album with XP8 Adrenochrome, but it's a cyber. <laughs> oh, why are you giving them that fuel? <laughs> because <sighs> the steam. The steam. <laughs> that is such an incredible troll. That's amazing. Good so troll. You should, you, should, you should see the kind of messages I get oh, when then you realize that there's also that connection. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he's a, he's a fucking Thelmanite that named his album Adrenochrome. I mean, that's just, oh my God. Oh my god! Yeah. I would just turn Do off. Do they certain... even know about the Thelmanites, or are they just throwing the word Satanism around? I'm sure they, all of it. Yeah, they tend to use Satanism. Yeah, you're right. But there's uh, some of Thelma is becoming a little bit more popular. Um, I mean, I'm going to do a little bit of humble brag here. I mean, this book has sold five thousand copies, which is nothing, right? But you know, for for being an occult book about a very, very you know niche subject, that's impressive. Yeah. So absolutely, and, and you know, like it's been one year now. Like the book came out a year ago, literally today, tomorrow. So oh, it's been happy anniversary, happy anniversary, and you're up for a witchy award. 
I did win a Witch Award. You which won is the Witch Award! Okay, um, the Witches uh, is this uh, yearly um, award, award prize that is issued by modernwitch.com, and I won the Outstanding New Author. So, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Small feat. That's no small feat. Um, I want to ask a silly question about the Loch Ness Monster and the Bullskin House. <gasps> Mm-hmm. So there's there's this really fun documentary uh, that you've probably seen on YouTube about uh, people thinking that Aleister Crowley opened up a portal that possibly brought the, lo- the Loch Ness monster to Loch Ness from the Bolskin house because he did. OK, help me out here, man. The Abramelon working and he didn't close. Yeah. He didn't close it. And something was left over and that people had heard like demons scratching on the walls and stuff that it was left. He opened a, he opened up a, a gate and he didn't close the gate. And you know what? This is actually all true in the sense for once, right? In the sense that Aleister Crowley bought this Boleskin house, this beautiful uh, mansion. It, it burned out twice over the last few years and it's being rebuilt right now. But um, he, he, he bought it because he was there to perform this advanced operation working called the Abramelin. It's another it's another uh, grimoire that pretty much tells you to be um, a hermit for six months, and then by virtue of that, you establish a connection with the Holy Guardian Angel, which can be seen as your divine self, simplifying. And once you do that, you are empowered to call and bind all the demons. Crowley never finished it. Okay, so this is all true. Like it started it, it didn't finish. And it's also true that it's in general, it's seen as a as a thing you don't want to do. Like you if you open a circle, you gotta close the circle. If you start a ritual, you gotta go, you gotta finish it, right? It and I can even attest it myself because I did start things I didn't finish and it thing and then I had to deal with the consequences, right? Um so I learned a lesson. Now did Crowley bring the Loch Ness monster to Inverness, or is it more the case that Loch Ness is an incredibly old and powerful place? And in general, lakes really are liminal spaces. They're kind of portals themselves, right? Like you know, and we gotta understand Loch Ness is insanely deep. Yeah. And it's massive. It's it, of course it's not like Lake Michigan or Lake Superior, but it's huge. Like you, you don't see the, the other coast from one side. and It's massive and super old. Uh, remember that all the mountains we have here in the, in the British Isle, they're all the same as the Appalachian Mountains. You know, they, got, they got split over the course of the, of the century, of the millennia, really, geological eras. And so it's kind of like the same vibe you get in the Appalachians, you get it uh, in the Grampians, et cetera, et cetera. So wow. that's kind of kind of vibe is there, right? And um, so in my opinion, it's a, I cannot tell you that, you know, Crowley really did fuck it up and conjure like a, a cryptid there, but it's true that he fucked it up. It's that's, that's one of the, of the myths that are true. Right. Um, this is in, I got this, this is pieces of shale from the Bolskin house that mm-hmm. were from the fire that people are now selling. And I, I'm a sucker and I bought some, <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like possibly there's, I- what? Go on, go on. Okay, um, I was saying like we, I'm really not in good terms with the people that run Boleskine House, um, but I really commend their effort to rebuild it because it's it it's an important place, right? Um, so I 
definitely hope that they can see the project through. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you were familiar with the docuseries Hellier. Oh, yes, very much so. Okay. Uh, Hellier is about the Kentucky Goblins, and the it conti- like it's about liminal spaces. It's about you know the paranormal, and then mm-hmm. at the very end, they keep finding references to the OTO and number ninety three, and like I just wanted to get your take on you know that that cultural phenomenon and how that's brought more awareness to the OTO since Hellier came out and the connections and whatever you wanted to say about that. So I discovered Hellier by pure chance in December, 2019. So right before the end, (laughs) because a friend of mine, (laughs) uh, like just texted me and this person never texts me like, Hey Marco, you need to watch this. You need to do it. And I was like, what is this stuff? It's like Ghostbuster. I don't, I don't watch these things online. It it looks like ghost bro. It looks like yeah, a travel it, channel. It like, looks like paranormal encounter. That's what I thought. Exactly. And I was like, whatever. Okay. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, no, and this is. Exactly. Because th- then I realized that the people that, first of all, like the production is fantastic. It's nothing like Ghost Bros. It's really, really good. And what I was already drawn into, even before the telemic stuff started popping up, is that they were actually trying to do experiments. It was some. It was not just like you know shouting a ghost. It was actually trying to do things and actually investigate, and that was amazing, right? And then the people, like all the various people, seemed very cool and personable. I was like, okay, this is this is nice people, right? And then season two happens. It's fifteen episodes in total. First episode is five. Uh, first season is five episodes. Second season ten episodes, and then season two goes all the way into dilemma, to the point that somebody that I know very well in telemic circles, Alan Greenfield, appears on screen, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> Consider that at that point, um, Strange Angel, which was the the CBS uh, show on Jack Parsons, just aired. Yeah, just aired, and I consulted on it. Right, as a, like I was the one who taught Greg Wise to how to do agnostic mass when they came and visit the OTO in in London. So I was thinking, what a second, what is all this dilemma on on, on screen? And it's Hellier is a fun, I think Hellier is required watch for anybody who's interested in the paranormal in magic because it really is, shows how magic seeps into the day to day life. Um, eventually, I, I as soon as I finished, I like me being me, I just shoot them an email, uh, speak with Greg, and we've, we've been, I mean, we've been in touch ever since. Uh, in September 2020, they invited me to talk about Hellier, my take on Hellier from a dynamic oh. standpoint. At their, on, at their, um, on, they were doing during the pandemic. They were doing um, this thing called PhenomenaCon, was an online conference, and uh, I got there to got invited to to talk about my take on Telema uh, and in Hellier because it's really important to the point that it kind of ends on a cliffhanger because by the end of the season two and maybe season two will come. We've all been hoping in the last four years now. Time. Uh, basically, the cliffhanger is that in order to make sense of the clues they have, they have to perform sort of some academic ritual called the Star Sapphire. And the Star Sapphire is insanely advanced and heavy sex magic. So everybody was like, oh, this is going to be hell. It's going to be what? Um, <laughs> they're not going to do that. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, they're not doing it. I'm sorry. They're... <laughs> the thing, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because the thing about, you know, the Star Sapphire is that this it's this very advanced ritual where basically 
secrets. What you have to do is that you have to have seven climaxes with the same partner, four in the quarters, and three in the center. Woo! And at yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Basically, yeah, it's called energized enthusiasm. You know, you build up all the sexual tension so that once you arrive at the end, you have enough to call down a god, pretty much. So and you've got to spend uh, like six months edging to get ready for this. You got it. You got to be able to edge on command, baby. You got to be able to. Come. It's like some actors can cry on command. You got to be able to come. Is there a time limit on how long you have and to do the seven no. orgasms? It's no, not like once no. you have the first one, you only have like an hour to finish the other ones. This could take all fucking day. Yeah, are there snacks? <laughs> I'm sure. Do union rules apply <laughs> to the ritual? Do I get a smoke break? A smoke break, SAG after rules. We have golden hour. We're going to get paid. Everyone gets paid. Okay. Is there hair and makeup? <laughs> There's got to be hair and makeup. Okay, come it on. Must be. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a bit intense. So I don't I don't think we'll ever see that earlier. But no, you know, not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> um, you tell Greg and Dana Newkirk, not with that attitude. The message from Alien Murder Sex. We want to see it. We'll come help. We will come hold fans. We'll bring snacks. I'll wax anuses. Well, she'll wax. She's a hairdresser. You know, I'm here for moral support. Whatever they need. I, we're on board. Lighting, yeah, whatever. We're here. I, I, will, I, will, I will definitely. I mean, if if this bit gets you know into like I don't know TikTok or something, I can send them to them and see and see. Timestamp this one, Frank. Timestamp <laughs> where this has just happened. We're making this clip first. Well, I I just want to say that I immensely respect Greg and uh, Dana Newkirk. I'm a Patreon of theirs. I their Museum of the Paranormal. I mean, I just support the shit out of what they do. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. Yeah, so they're amazing. So you know organized. what? They're really, they're really, yeah, they're really nice people as well. Very very supportive. Um, now, in in a, in a scene, which is the occult scene, the paranormal scene, which is full of hassles, grifters, uh, Grifter. sociopaths. Uh, wait, yeah, nothing yeah. like the entertainment industry. Are you kidding? Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. We know. Oh, the music business, right? And um, yeah, it, they're they're really really good people. And uh, so yeah, we'll see. Let's see what happens next with her. I mean, I've been waiting for Hellier season three for four years now. So, you know, I was late to the party during the pandemic. I was uh, I was working for the medical examiner, and I was just that's that was my whole life was just doing autopsies and that being stressed out. Wow. That was all I did for that whole year. And uh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. I have no medical experience. They just hired me. It's a whole thing. I'm writing a book about it. It was nuts. It was New York. They were like, we just need people. And I'm like, I'm a comedian, but I need a job. And they're like, here, cut open this dead child. And I was like, okay, I got you. Um, yeah, it was nuts. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because they, uh, you don't need a degree. And, and you're the tech. So the doctor makes all the determinations and you just, they just say, make the Y incision. You take all the organs out and you just do all the dirty work. You're like the, the butcher's assistant. You're the butcher's assistant. Yeah. You're just clearing out the head cheese. Just clearing out the head cheese. That's it. That was my job for that year. And then I, when the world came back and I realized like, oh, like stages opened up. I can do acting work. Like everything came back. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> they, yeah, anyway, I can it's a whole other they didn't even want me talking about it they sent me a cease and desist about my jokes about it it's a whole and thing. yet here we are and yet here we are <laughs> yeah well i got death threats for everything i say about the odo and then here i am so that's fine right? but, I mean, but who's death threatening you it's like it's like you know hillbillies 
Like, yeah, honey, but, you yeah. don't have the gas money to come find me. Yeah, you. like. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, it definitely helps that I live in the UK. Um, if I was living in the US, I'll be a little bit more. Is it very, because very we all split. have guns? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like a little afraid of America? I'm, well, I'm you know, afraid. I'm, I'm not some, I don't know. Uh, let's say that, um, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fair. I'm afraid of America. I'm terrified of America. I, we live here and we're scared. Like a family and government. I'm terrified. I ain't good. I it's, yeah, you know, I, I think I used to I used to date this girl in uh, Jacksonville. Super pretty, super tiny, nice, everything. The first time I go to her place, I see a loaded gun by her bedside, and I was like, "What was? Well, you know what? If we have a home invasion, I was like, we have a fucking what?" <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, um, that was my ex first experience with this thing. That is the most sincere American experience. And then she took you to a Waffle House, right? Made you an honest man? Pretty much, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Guns and waffles and chicken. Guns and waffles, maybe a little bit of meth. Well. Cocaine. Oops, did I just say a lot? <laughs> oh, we don't talk about drugs on here at all. I fucking show. loved cocaine. We used to be. I used to be a drug addict. <laughs> I cover. Yeah, we're all recovered here. I'm sober now. But this you is know. why we have a great sense of humor about fucking everything. Yeah, because we used to yeah. do all the drugs. I'm the darkest thing in my life. Same now. <laughs> now Same. now it used to be the black tar heroin, but now it's me. <laughs> hey, <laughs> me and my butthole. That's all we got. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's where you keep the black tar hair. Not anymore. Ah. <laughs> uh, what porn did you bring? I don't. You want to watch some porn, Marco? You want to watch some porn? Let's do some shameless plugging. We talked oh. about your book that's coming out. Um, what are the good things do you have happening? So right now I am uh, teaching this course called uh, Stairway to Heaven. Not the Led Zeppelin song. It's about Celestial Ascent um, with Peter Lavenda. Peter Lavenda oh is. Oh my! Wait, seriously? You've got. Yeah. I didn't know this. Oh my God! Wow, that's awesome. Is this you a course we're gonna take? Oh, man, I would. I would love to. It's the like literally. I'm. I'm not joking, but I'm closing um, enrollment literally at the end of the week uh, because we're starting like a, the practical part of it, which is like path workings, and so you know. Right now, we are two weeks in. Honestly, it's some of the best cohort I've ever had towards all my courses. Uh, a lot of like 40 people or engaged, like amazing. It's really good. Uh, and we're literally, basically, we are, I turned into a course, Peter's book, which is this one here, Stairway to Heaven. And it's about uh, Celestial Ascent, the Merkava, uh, the pace of you, a lot of... Basically, like how we have this idea that we can ascend the heavens uh, since the beginning of humanity. And, uh, you know, you get from Babylonia and Sumer to the OTO, pretty much. So that's what we're going to cover. Um, that's what I'm doing right now. And in general, if you go on marcovisconti.org, my website, there's everything I do. Um, I have even too much stuff at the moment, like a lot of courses that you can take at your own pace. And um, I have like weekend workshops. I have single classes all the day. <laughs> That's, I've, I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I mean, in, amazed that 
we got you to come on the show because you're kind of like a big deal. You're, you're, kind, you're of kind of a big, big deal. deal. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, and, uh, I have one of Peter Lavenda's books in my cart uh, about uh, occultism and Nazi occultism mm-hmm. and like the symbols they used and stuff. And the, oh, I, download the yeah. audio book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So Hanoi Alliance, right? Yeah, like, Holy that was Alliance. A- yes. I didn't want to yeah. like have that on the subway though. Yeah, it's not a good idea. I uh, I bought a John Keel book instead. But no, yeah, yeah, you do so many amazing things. I'd love to take a course at some point when I have a little more time in my calendar. You know? It's just Well the thing you know, the thing with, with what I do is that you there's always like live cohorts throughout the year, but then all the material is self based, right? And if you if you buy at some point, then you can take future live cohorts for free. That's that's how I ran it. And uh, so at any time during the year, you can join and find me talking about magic. That's awesome. Oh, one thing you did you did on online, on social media, you had a short. You were talking about how everyone always says Aleister Crowley died penniless and alone. Because that's the that's one of the you know the things that the fascio Chris just assholes try to always say is like oh, you want magic will never get you anywhere. You want to end up like Aleister Crowley yeah. on heroin, living in a van down by the river, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so again, big biggest misconception possibly. So first of all, was Aleister Crowley a heroin addict? Yes, he was because at the time, you would get heroin as a prescription and cocaine as well. Yeah, I was born in the wrong time. Yeah, right? we were. We would all be addicts. Are you kidding? Stop. We would all be medicated. Stop putting new flavors of Coca Cola out if you're Just not going to put the put cocaine the back. Put the cocaine back in it. What? Yeah. Anyway, so that that part is true, right? At the same time, that always goes hand in hand with the bullshit that since he was an addict and he he died penniless alone, uh, you know, under a fucking bridge or whatever. What happened there actually is that he lived the last years of his life in this, um, say like retreat called Netherwoods, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was in Hastings, which is a coastal town near London here. And uh, um, if you can think of it as a, almost like a proto-socialist commune, like all artists were living together and he had his own big room uh, and he was attended by someone all the time. And he had, all his disciples visiting him, like Kenneth Grant, we mentioned before, that's when he used to go and visit him at Netherwood. And then it, at, this, at the time, he was still finishing the Book of Thought with Lady Frida Harris. And Lady Frida Harris, which was the wife of an ex, uh, of, 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 a, uh, of a minister, like basically a politician, so very famous, very rich person, would go and visit him. So absolutely bullshit that he died alone and penniless as it is bullshit that he died by saying i am perplexed uh we don't know what he said when he died because no one was there they they found him right they found him dead they like people were downstairs they go and call to him and he was passed so we don't know what he said maybe he said something but we don't know yeah that doesn't sound like such a bad way to end your years no not at all. Not at all. Actually, like, so there's this book by Anthony Clayton called Netherwood, The Last Resource of Aleister Crowley. Um, you, I think you can still find him on, you find it on Amazon. Maybe not. Anyway, it's, it doesn't, it, it goes for normal money on the secondary market, like 20 quid or something like that, $20. Uh, maybe, maybe a little more, but something like that, not 200, 300 or some more. And 
Clayton really went into extreme detail with proof about the last years of Curly. And so we know that he had a very nice last years. So a lot of beautiful photos of him as a, an old gentleman who is smoking the pipe, very well dressed in a very nice place. So that's the, that's the truth. And you're right. The cognitive dissonance, people just don't want to hear it. They just, they have, no. you know, what they want to believe and they, that's it. That's just because that con- yeah. is their confirmation bias, you know? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I could just talk to you all, all fucking night, but you know, we all have lives. Um, our engineer has things to do, uh, uh, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back another time if you want me. would love for you to come back and, and yeah, absolutely. Maybe do a ritual. Maybe do a ritual. Maybe we could do we, a... We, 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 we could think of something. Yeah. Okay. Let's do something. We could think something. Yeah. Yeah. Something fun. Is it porn thirty? I think it's porn thirty. It's sure. porn thirty. What porn did you bring, Adrian? I don't know. I sent Frank like three of them. So whatever Frank <laughs> did pulled you, up. Did and... you pull him up on the subway again? No, I waited till I got here. <laughs> I waited till I got here because I was just. What was I even doing on the subway? Disassociating? Mm, disassociation. Yay, disassociating. Going over like last minute mm-hmm. research and stuff and all that jazz. Yeah. I'm going to shamelessly plug real quick. Do it. Catch me with Bedpan Fight March 9th at Bushwick Public House and March 23rd at Young Ethel's. And also don't forget to check us out on like Spotify and Bandcamp and all that jazz. That is Bedpan Fight. You can also check me out at Give Your Hair a Kiss, GiveYourHairAKiss.com if you find yourself in the New York City area. Or, you know, hit me up, send me a message. I travel. I will cut you. I will die with you. <laughs> Give your hair a kiss. <laughs> uh, you can catch me at the Tromedy Hour at Star Bar on the 4th Wednesday of the month. That's going to be the 21st. And we have Jake and Louie, uh, the ventriloquist, uh, the dirty ventriloquist guy. Oh, the dirty ventriloquist. Yeah, he's really funny. We're going to have him on the show Very in excited. March. But that's uh, mostly what I got going on in this podcast. There we go. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. Let's watch some dirty porn. Let's watch some dirty porn. Kind of scared. Let's see. Let's see. I'm always don't scared. Be scared. I don't even remember I, what I brought. I'm always scared. I just she just picks it. O a o a o. Which is almost like what did you? <laughs> where did you get this? Okay. Shit? Where do you get? Oh, this I shit? think this is a is a vintage. As in like ninety two. Vintage, <laughs> man, it yeah. looked vintage and burlesque I'm pretty sure that Devil Tail is a butt plug. Is it a butt plug? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a butt plug, yeah. Good. It's a good butt plug. That's a good it's butt a long plug. Line. I hope she doesn't step on it, Is though. this the beginning of, like, a low-rent music video, like, of a band that never took <laughs> off? And now it's just this on really Pornhub? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, um, Torture Garden, when Torture Garden was cool, which is not anymore, but hey. <laughs> Yeah. Fast forward, Sam. Let's get Fast to... forward. We got some tits. We got some vinyl. We got some fire. We're playing with some tits. Mm-hmm. It, oh, it seems more burlesque than anything else. Yeah. It's, this, is, this is a solo it, show. Is that Tony is, Katane? Is, Who's going to Tony it definitely, Is it going hentai? I think it's going Good. hentai. Good. <laughs> Good, good. I, I think she can fit most of that tail into her person. And claw, claw. At wait, the she's wait, she's fucking a, an entity in the wall. In the wall. Okay, that's the, interesting. That's weird. Okay. Oh. Yeah, we oh okay, he's, it's coming. He's all out. like camouflagey. Wow. Uh, it seems From like. The dick. 
the FX department was, they were like, you guys make a porn. FX department, you guys have fun. <laughs> yeah, like all the writers quit that day yeah. and they were just like, yeah. And then she starts fucking one of the statues from the fireplace. Yeah. And then she's going to dance and dance and dance. That's some fake ass tits. This is not good. No, <laughs> yeah. it's not good. It's not good. Okay. Let's say, let's say it's negative good. It's negative, it's negative good. good. But it's, it's I, I could put it on at a party though. This is like good dinner party porn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's something that can stay in the background. I agree. This is definitely like... I mean, I love yeah. the fire. It could be like my Yule log this year. <laughs> Just put it on for Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's probably what I'll do. <laughs> this is definitely... Coming for Christmas. Yeah, look at that. Yule log Christmas. The stockings were hung by the whore with care. <laughs> well, every year, Adrian. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> and then Santa Claus is going to come. <sighs> Those are so corny. All right, what other porn do we have? I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> Next. Next. <laughs> Surprisingly vanilla demon porn. Very with vanilla bad for you. CG fire. I well, I didn't bring any family shit. I I'm can't sorry. Look at you the same way. It was so <gasps> boring. God. 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 There wasn't even any prolapse. There were no daddy issues there was in that. No at daddy all. issues at all. Oh no. Oh, I think okay. this one was labeled as like a ritual. Is this oh, sleep sorry. token now? <laughs> <laughs> this is sleep no more. <laughs> I got some sheets. It's the like, lighting department quit in the middle the of the lighting department quit. One of they got a bad isn't that looks like one of the guys from Slipknot's masks. Oh shit. Oh, I don't even know away. what happened there. Went away. Oh no. what happened? Was there one more? What happened, Frank? I don't know. Maybe I sent a bad link. God damn it. I'm not, you know, I'm not great with tech. Hey, what are your thoughts on um, the, all the bullshit people say about Eyes Wide Shut while we're on the subject of yeah. porn and film? I mean, I, by the way, just hold up. That's a whole episode. Like, there's the amazing, you know, subtext mm -hmm. and, and layers in that movie. But just in regards to occult magic. Go. So most of the, no, let, let, let me start. All the groups you can join by sending an email uh, to a website. So the OTO will not give you a, a high white shot experience. That is not to say. <laughs> I'm I mean, out. Is, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that is not to say that it doesn't exist, though. Uh, however, uh, it is. It is those, for those who, for few. Let's put it. Those like this. are invite only. Okay, you can't <laughs> submit. That's the that's the moon. It's the moon tower of it's like moon tower comedy festival. You can't submit to it. You have to be invited. That's the moon tower yeah. of the occult. Gotcha. Yeah. You gotta you gotta understand also. I mean, I'm now a little bit seriousness, if possible. Right. <laughs> the thing is that you know when you look at Heights with Shot, right? It's of course beautifully shot, beautiful people, but sex is the main thing like they're there to fuck right mm -hmm. whereby sex magic you're not there to fuck you're using sex for something else okay so it i can tell you there exist secret groups or you know groups that are not publicly available that will engage with sex in similar if not identical way right but it's Sex is something that you use towards um, the the, final, the the finality of the ritual, right? As opposed to you know, just having a good time with beautiful looking people, right? Uh, it's it's interesting because, like, as you can imagine, everybody, literally everybody, that um, comes to the OTO has this idea that somewhere in the OTO you will find a nice way shot. 
no. I don't want to body shame. I don't want to body shame anyone because I mean, <laughs> why should I do it? I'm not, definitely not. But let's say no. No. Nope. <laughs> Uh, not everybody, you know, is going to CrossFit that is into ritual magic. And let's think Correct. about the, let's see that there's more of a crossover in the OTO with gaming than CrossFit. I'm yeah, willing. Right. To, and let's think about those body types. So that's. Body by Mountain Dew. This is what you get. <laughs> you know what? There, there's also the discussion that in general, I don't know, maybe, uh, a, as long as people are okay with their body, of course, right? That's that's without saying. But right, sexy I also is a mindset. One, I, I also think that when, when it comes, you know, when it comes to a public or shared ritual, you know, aesthetic, I think is important, right? Uh, at least, I mean, that's my perspective. Maybe because I've been in so many Gnostic. Oh, did you lose me? Oh, lost, we, we lost hear you. you. We hear you. We lost. You're frozen. Okay. okay. Oh. Um, I'm back. So yeah, because I think my connection is dying. That's why. Okay. Ouch. Uh, so long story short, uh, you go you go to an OTO Gnostic Mass, you won't find Ice Witch Chat. I'm sorry. That's the truth. <laughs> oh well. But in the movie, like what could they have been using all of that sex magic like sex energy for? You think I mean, do you think it like in the you know, were they biting off of any real ritual when they had the girls all kiss each other in the circle with like the incense? Like is that like lifted no. from anything that's just it was no. all just aesthetic no, not at all right in many ways yeah it's all aesthetics uh in many ways what you um what you see in strange angel again uh it's much it's much more closer it's much more closer it's, it's closer to an actual gnostic mass however an actual gnostic mass has no sex whatsoever it's all sublimated right even the the priestess does sit naked on the altar if she decides it you know some priestesses will decide not to disrobe but in general the idea is that the priestess sits naked on the altar right and there's a lot of sublimated uh sexual acts right uh, the lance that starts down and has been raised it's fucking what is it right obvious yeah. um and, and many other things yeah <laughs> that's what it is um but in general there's uh, there's absolutely no sex in the gnostic mass and in, instead if you look at the strange angel there's actually you know they fuck like literally on the altar um but then again all very beautiful people <laughs> um they had I'm casting gonna, agents yeah of course i'm just gonna i'm gonna just gonna leave it at that because i'm gonna be fucking canceled for all this <laughs> so listen my 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 sex magic uh, rituals will have casting agents, hair and makeup, and lighting and snacks <laughs> and snacks. There will be a fucking yeah charcuterie board. Everything, It'll, everything. Yeah, and <gasps> well, Marco, thank you so much for joining us, and we would love to have you on again. You've been so informative, and you are just you are an absolute peach. We love you. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been it's been a pleasure, and yeah, I'll be back anytime. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Thank you awesome. so much. I learned a lot. Did you learn a lot? I learned a lot. I feel like we've grown as people. And now we know where not to expect the orgies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason we had you on. They're not at the OTO. They're just the Dragon Con with the cosplayers. Got it. Yeah. Or the furries. The or furries. the furries. Yep. The nerds are having all the sex. Yeah. But the fucking the OTO nerds are having all of the intentional rituals yeah now if the two can get together (laughs) 
That would be great. Well, I mean, I'm going to make a sigil and come on some paper this week. So, you know, you can just do it yourself. You can come on paper whenever you want and make a sigil. You're free. Not wherever you want, <laughs> but whenever you want. Well, yeah, mostly. It's New York. Probably not the public library. Probably not. Thank you so much, Marco. Thank you so much, Lauren. And thank you, me. We are Alien Murder <laughs> Sex. And we'll see you next time. Mwah.